0: Well, again, good morning. It is a pleasure to be worshiping with you as we are continuing in this series that we're calling Stewards. Now, every year, this is something that we do as a church. We take several weeks to talk about stewardship, to talk about generosity, to talk about how it is that we use the blessings that God has given us, specifically some of our financial resources uh, for his purposes, for, for the kingdom, for advancing the kingdom. And part of the reason we do this every year is not necessarily because, you know, this is just something we have to do in order for us to make budget. That's really not the reason. In fact, this morning, if somebody were to walk up to me and hand me a check for the total budget for all four of Trinity's locations, uh, I would say thank you, but we would still be doing this series, okay? Now, if you do want to make that donation, the offering is later on in the service, and you can make your check out to Trinity Lutheran Church. But, but in all honesty, we would be doing this because this is really a discipleship issue. In fact, no matter who I talk to, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, one of the things that I find is that everybody is nervous about finances. It stresses everybody out. Everybody uh, seems to be worried about uh, you know, where their next paycheck is going to come from, whether they really have security in their job, and so on and so forth. And so really for us, this is, this is a matter of helping people understand what it means to really, truly believe that God is the one who provides for our needs. And then to take the blessings that he's given to us and to use them for his purposes. It's a discipleship issue. And that's the reason why we we have a series like this every single year. It's about going to the heart and asking ourselves the question, what would it look like to live my life as though it is a gift from God and to steward my resources as if they are ultimately his to be used for his purposes? That's what this whole series is about. That's the reason why we do this every single year. And so I think it's only right that before we, uh, again, address this very difficult topic, that we take a moment uh, just to allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are indeed the one who provides for everything that we need, that you daily give us our daily bread, that you provide richly and abundantly for your people. And so this morning, Lord, as we come before your word and we talk about how do we steward the things that you've given to us, Lord, we pray that we would have ears to hear, minds to understand, open hearts to receive the message that you have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week in our series, we talked about intentionality. We, we, uh, first week, we really discussed priorities, and we talked about how at the end of the day, uh, if God is truly our priority, then that should shape what we do with the things that he's given us. But last week, we talked about intentionality, the importance and the purpose of having a plan. And part of the reason we talked about that is because Jesus acknowledges the fact that there is a war that goes on in the human heart. It's a war between two masters, either God or money. He says, you can't serve both. You will either serve God or money. And so we said, well, then that's important for us to be aware that that's going on so that we can be intentional, so that we can recognize and look at our finances and say, so who do I really serve? And how does how I steward my finances and the things that God has given me reflect my allegiance? That's really what we were talking about. And one of the things that we discovered as we really looked at what Jesus had to say about it is that with intentionality comes peace. With intentionality comes peace when we start to actually look at our finances and use them in a thoughtful way. When we start to budget and to plan, when we, when we have a purpose for, for what we're doing with our financial life, it brings a sense of peace because we ultimately see that we do have enough and we're able to plan with what we have. There's the sense of peace that comes with that. In fact, Dave Ramsey, this was a quote that we mentioned last week, Dave Ramsey says this about tithing. He actually says tithing was created for our benefit. It teaches us how to keep God first in our lives and how, to, and how to live unselfishly. And he said actually that idea of living unselfishly then pays dividends in other areas of our lives. That as it overflows, we recognize that unselfish people make better spouses, friends, relatives, employees, and employers. And they usually have better finances too. At the end of the day, God is trying, to, is trying to teach us how to prosper, to how to prosper in every area of life. That's why intentionality brings peace. It allows us to recognize that we have enough from the God who cares for us. But there was another thing that was said in Matthew chapter 6, uh, when Jesus was talking, that, that still kind of puzzles me. He says this, he says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And as I was preparing for the message uh, this morning, that verse continued to kind of mess with me because I started to ask the question, how? How do you even do that? I mean, have you ever stopped and really thought about like practically what does it mean to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven? How does that even begin? Where, where does that process start? What does it even look like? And really, I think that's why our passage for this morning is so important, And so to kind of help us really address that that question of how, how do you store up treasures in heaven, I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can use the pew Bible uh, that's in the back of the pew in front of you and open it up, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. By the way, if you don't own your own Bible, please take that pew Bible. That is our gift to you. We would love for you to continue to study God's word with us, and so you can have that. Uh, If you, you know promise to just take it and, and read it at home and make it a part of your daily uh, times in God's word. But we're opening up to 2 Corinthians 9, and the reason why we're looking at 2 Corinthians is because 2 Corinthians is a very, very interesting letter. I actually realized that I, I misspoke in the first service. I said in the first service that there are two letters of Paul, which are, which are clearly fundraising letters, and I realized that's not quite true. There's actually three. It's Romans, Philippians, and 2 Corinthians. See, in the book of Romans, Paul was writing to a church that he'd never visited before. And he says, I want to share with you what it is I teach and and confess, uh, so that when I visit you, you might help send me as I continue my mission onward to Spain. That's actually what he tells them. So it's an introduction letter to a potential donor church. Philippians is actually a church thanking a donor church. It's one big, long love letter saying thank you for partnering with me in in ministry and in mission. But 2 Corinthians is a reminder letter. Okay, Paul helped plant the church in Corinth, and he told them, you know, when I come back this way, I'm going to be taking up a collection. The purpose of the collection is to benefit uh, the church's ministry in Jerusalem and in the Middle East. And the reason why was because uh, that part of the world was suffering from a famine, And they had asked the churches in Europe if they would help, if they would help provide for the basic needs of the people. And so Paul said, so when I circle back, uh, I'm going to be visiting all of my churches in Europe and Asia Minor, and I would like us to take up a collection to bless the church. And so 2 Corinthians is a reminder letter. He's basically saying, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming to take up that collection, and I'd like you all to be ready. And this is what he says, and I'm looking at uh, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 10. He says, now... He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. See, right here, he kind of begins talking about the peace that they have, knowing that God provides for everything that they require. And I think this is good because, you know, all of us, when we know somebody is about to ask us for money, we get a little nervous, right? It causes a little bit of anxiety. And Paul's saying, hey, remember, you guys know I'm coming to, to gather this collection. Remember the one who provides for you. That the one who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed saying, just remember, God is the one who's in control. He knows what you need. He will richly provide for all that you require. He's reminding them of the peace that they have. But then he moves on and he says something really interesting. Verse 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's say that again. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, what I love here is those two words, so that. And by the way, anytime you are studying the Bible and reading it through on your own, every time you come across a so that, basically what he's saying is he's saying everything that I said before, this is the reason why it's there. And so saying, the, God has richly supplied you. He has given every you everything that you require so that the purpose of which is for, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what Paul is saying is he's saying not only does Jesus provide for everything that you need, but he provides more than enough so that you can use it for something else. What Paul is talking about is he's basically saying he's given you peace with a purpose. He's provided for your prosperity for a reason. And That reason is so that what you have been given might be multiplied for the benefit of others. Specifically, he goes on and he says in verse 12, this service that you perform." is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He says, you have been blessed so that you can bless others. And in fact, this gift that you're going to give to me, I'm going to be taking it to Jerusalem, where it is actually going to meet the physical needs of the people there. It is going to ensure that people in a land of famine have bread on the table. But more than that, it's actually going to result in expressions of thanks and praise to God. What does he mean? Well, if you look at the ministry of the church in Jerusalem, what you quickly realize is that any of the gifts that were given to them, they then turned around and used to bless the community around them. You can actually read about this in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. And at the end of Acts chapter 2 in verses um, 40 to 42, it talks about how the people in Jerusalem would actually sell off many of their possessions. They would sell off many of the things that they didn't really need, that extra stuff, and they would turn it around and they would use it to provide for the basic needs of the people around them. And that this kind of... um, approach and posture of the church of jerusalem actually led to more people coming to faith he said look the money that you give it's it's not just going to me it's going to the mission of the church in this part of the world so that as the church does its mission yes it's going to meet very real needs of people but more than that it's going to introduce people to the god that they don't get know." So that through the church providing for their needs, these people would actually come to praise, not us, but Jesus. Saying the gifts that you give, God is using to multiply influence. He's using those gifts to have an influence in the lives of the people who will be receiving them so that they might come to know Jesus. See, the lesson here in 2 Corinthians 9 is God has richly provided for everything that we require so that we can give it away. So that out of the excess, we might dedicate those things to kingdom movements which bring people into relationship with the God who loves them. What he's saying is he's saying, I want you to consider what God has given you and to ask the question, how can I use this to make an influence for the kingdom? Jesus actually said in that passage from last week in Matthew chapter 6, he actually says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that you need will be added unto you. And so the question for us as Christians when we think about what God has given us is the question, how can I use what God has given me to make the greatest impact for the kingdom that I can make? To look at our surplus and not to say, okay, what's the next toy that I can get? What's the next comfortable vacation that I can go on? But rather to ask the question, how can this be used for an eternal purpose? How might what I have bring a kingdom benefit to others? How might it be used to introduce people to the God who loves them? It's actually asking a question of eternal significance And purpose and that too i would argue is good for us that paul is inviting them to be a part of an amazing kingdom movement which does not only bring joy to those who receive it but actually brings joy to those who give it that's actually what it means to be a steward is to look at our lives and say you know what what god has given me really isn't mine because a steward recognizes that everything that they're in charge of is actually not for their benefit. It is given to them so that they can use it for the benefit of someone else. And that's really what Paul is talking about here. He says, God has provided for you richly. Yes, so that you can, can have what you need. But more than that, so that you can use it to bring about kingdom transformation in the world around you. And that is an awesome privilege. You know, last week I mentioned this book by Joshua Becker. It's a book called The More of Less, in which he talks about what does it really mean to steward all the things God has given us. And this is what he writes. This is probably my favorite quote in the whole book. He says, It is important for each of us to look outside ourselves to find investments that tie our hearts to things that bring real joy, eternal purpose, and lasting fulfillment. There's a richness in turning our excess into someone else's supply i want to say that again. There is a richness in turning our excess into someone else's supply. You want to know what it means to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? This is it. What are those treasures? It's more people in heaven giving praise to God. That the greatest treasure that any one of us can imagine is showing up in heaven and encountering people that we had no idea were influenced as a direct result of our lives and our stewardship. I am convinced that we will get there and people will run up to us that we never expected to see and said, The only reason I am here is because through you, God reached me with the good news of Jesus. Through what you said, through what you did, and through what you gave. I am here. Those are the treasures in heaven that we're talking about. And the greatest joy in life is discovering the richness of turning our excess into someone else's supply, of asking, How can what I have be used to reach more people with the good news of Jesus? This was actually the incredible privilege that I had when I worked in college ministry. I worked in college ministry for six years, and all those six years, every year I had to fundraise my own salary and ministry budget, which means I had to go to lots of people to ask them if they would give to the ministry. But one of my great joys was not just seeing the lives that were transformed as a direct result of us being on campus. One of my great joys was monthly getting uh, getting to write back to my donors and saying, look what we did together. To say that I know that, that you can't be on campus, that not all of you are called to be college ministers, but I want you to know that you are a part of what God is doing here. To share with them stories of students who came to faith for the very first time to share stories of students who suddenly realized that they were called into leadership, to become small group leaders, to be evangelists on their campus, to actually make their campus a better place that pointed people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was my joy and my privilege to share with them stories of lives transformed, campuses renewed, and world changers developed, and to say, you, the the people who are giving and praying to this ministry— my prayer team, my support team, this is the work that God has done through you. Thank you so much for supporting the work that we do. We couldn't be here without you. That is the great joy of using what we have and investing it toward a kingdom goal, is that we get to celebrate being a part of what God is doing in places that we may never go to. Because it's true, not everybody is called to be a pastor. Not everybody is called to be a college minister. Not everybody is necessarily called to go abroad and to be a missionary in a foreign land. But every single person in the body of Christ is called to give to the mission. Every single Christian is called to invest in the kingdom. And Paul is saying when you do that, you discover a richness that you can't get anywhere else. And what you give results in praise and thanksgiving to our Lord and Savior. That's really what it means to not just set good priorities and to be intentional with what you give, but to ask the question, how can what I give be used for greater kingdom influence and impact in the world? Doing so actually reflects the heart of Jesus. I love what it says in Romans chapter 12. It talks about how we are called to run our race with perseverance. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That comes from Paul's letter to the Hebrews. What I love there is it's talking about the joy that Jesus had. He knew what it was going to cost him. He knew that it was going to cost him leaving his comfortable throne in heaven. He knew that it was going to mean that he would have to come into this world and that he would ultimately go to a cross and die for us. A painful, humiliating death. And yet what I love about this passage is it says, it was for the joy set before him that he did it. Because yes, giving is sacrificial. Yes, it's a little uncomfortable. But there's a greater joy. Jesus knew that by pouring himself out, the greater joy that he would get is that many sons and daughters would be brought to glory, that more people would be brought into the kingdom of God. And for that reason, he was willing to spend everything he had for us so that we could be a part of his kingdom. And so when we start to ask that question, how can what I have be spent for the sake of the kingdom? We are being like the one who saved us. We are participating in his joy. You know, last week we gave you this, this thing, the generosity ladder, right? And, and when I gave you that, that generosity ladder, I encouraged you to ask two questions in terms of being intentional with your finances. I asked you the first the question, where are you currently at? Really sit down and look at your finances. Determine where you're at on the generosity ladder. And the second question was, what's the next step God is calling you to take? But there's a third question, and that's part of the reason why I didn't want you to bring back your commitment cards this weekend. Because the third question is, how can I use what God has given me to make the greatest impact for the kingdom that I can make? To look back at our finances and say, what are the ways in which I can live on less in order that I can give more for the sake of someone else? How can I give more for the sake of advancing the mission that God has given to his people? Because when we do that, we discover the kind of joy that comes from being a steward. The joy that comes from taking the things God has given uh, to us and returning them to his hands for his use. To rejoice in the ways in which God, through his people, is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And knowing that we have participated in an eternal work which has led to greater praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as people not only come to know him, but learn what it means to walk with him. That's what it means to be a steward. It's to say, Lord, teach me. Teach me what it means to trust in you. Help me to invest wisely. And Lord, through these gifts, we pray that you would do far more than we can ask or imagine. That's the heart of a steward that we would take the gifts God has given us, that we would multiply them for the sake of the kingdom, and that we would indeed hear our master say on that final day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. It's in the name of Jesus Christ who does indeed provide seed to the sower that we say, amen.